Psalm 95, as it is with most psalms, it's a looping psalm. You can end it and go right back to the top and sing it over and over again. In fact, the ending makes you want to go begin again. Um, so I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Oh, come let us sing to the Lord. Some accuse modern worship of being too repetitive. They mock and say, oh, you guys have 7-Eleven worship. Not from 7 to 11, but seven words 11 times. But I want to stretch your thinking today. Can you, you want to learn something maybe that you didn't know before? Um, it's biblical. Because each time you sing it from your heart, you sing with fresh revelation. In heaven, Revelation, Revelation says in heaven, there are creatures while gazing upon God cry out, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Well-known well preacher had a vision of heaven believe he actually went there and saw these creatures saying it over and over again. Not as automatons or as a looping uh, MP3 player <clears throat> or an 8-track. Who remembers the 8-tracks? But each time they say it, it's coming from a place of fresh understanding of the greatness and immense holiness of God. The word holy is an adjective. It's also a superlative when you say holy, it's a cut above the rest. It's altogether separate in purity and in value, in character and in nature. But when you say holy, holy, you've gone a step further. And when you say holy, 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 each holy modifies the next. Remember grammar class about modifiers. Each holy modifies the next one. How hot is it in July in Texas? It's hot, and sometimes it's hot, hot. And in August, sometimes it's hot, hot, hot. That's really hot, isn't it? If you read the margin of your Bible, those creatures actually say holy nine times. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Well, that would drive me nuts. It wouldn't if each time you said the word holy, you were modifying the next one. You're not just mindlessly saying holy, 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 holy. But he's not just holy, but he is holy, holy. And he's not just holy, holy. Our God is holy, holy, holy. Yep, the translator shortchanged us. If you're King James only, they made a mistake. It's there in the original. God is holy, 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 holy. Who was? He's holy, holy, holy in the past. Who is? He's holy, holy, holy in the present and is to come. He's holy, holy, holy in the future. He's holy as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. All right, 
that's another sermon. Sorry, I got off my notes. Psalm 95, O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. The Hebrew there for the word sing lends itself to shouting. So come, let us sing loud to the Lord. Uh, That's not scripture, sound man, for turning things up so loud our eardrums blow out. But it's for us singing loudly. For us, acoustically, worshiping God with all our might. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully, there it is again, to him with psalms. For the Lord is the great God and the great King above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth. The heights of the hills are his also. So the mountains and the valleys. The sea is his, for he made it. And his hands formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you will hear his voice, and here's what his voice says, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, as in the day of trial in the wilderness, when your fathers tested me, they tried me, though they saw my work. For 40 years I was grieved with that generation and said, it is a people who go astray in their hearts and they do not know my ways. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Oh, come, let us sing (laughs) to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation people in the wilderness, the freed slaves with the victim mentality didn't shout joyfully to the rock of their salvation. Each time there was a new problem, they would complain even more than they had before. God brought us out here in the wilderness to die. It would be better if we were slaves. We wouldn't have to worry about what we're going to eat or drink or put on. They didn't have to worry about what they're going to put on. Their clothes never wore out. But don't you know some of them complain? I'm tired of wearing this same outfit. Why won't it wear out? Let's pray. Lord, speak to us from this text today. Help us to glean life-changing insights for us personally. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome to a new series called Wonderful or Wonderful Worship. Now, don't think we're grading worship. That worship was wonderful, that not so much. We do that as humans, I know. But I'm attempting to bring us back to the heart of worship. It's all about the wonderful one we worship. We worship wonderful one. Isaiah 9, 6, talking about Jesus, says, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Prince of Peace, Everlasting Father. And of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. If I didn't quote that perfectly, forgive me. His name is wonderful. 
The Hebrew word for wonderful, I pronounce it Pele, Pele, and how I remember it is there was a wonderful soccer player back in the day. Remember bicycle kicking Pele from Brazil. You want to see some serious athletics, watch some Pele videos. He was a wonderful player. Well, our God is Pele. He is wonderful. Talk about bicycle kicks. He created the heavens and the earth. Today we're going to talk about priorities for wonderful worship or priorities for worshiping wonderful. Now in our day and time with technology, worship music is probably more wonderful and awe-striking than it's ever been. But please remember, people are using auto-tune now in a lot of churches. I'm not throwing rocks at them. Make his praises glorious is what the word says. Um, and they're using click tracks, so nobody ever gets off rhythm, but there's a voice in those click tracks telling them verse 1 and verse 2, and so they're kind of trapped in the track. It is what it is. I'm not throwing rocks at it. The point is, wonderful worship is worship that's not wonderful to us. It's worship that's wonderful to him because he is wonderful. Can I get an amen? The hub verse for this series is going to be Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. There's no self-made men in the room. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations. So we worship him because he is good and because his mercy is everlasting and his truth is eternal. Who's glad about it? So priorities of wonderful worship. The first part of Psalm 95 deals with the act of worship. Verse 1, O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. This is a priority for worshiping our wonderful God. First point is focusing. Let us sing to the Lord. Shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence. Let us shout joyfully to him. It's all about him. There's a church in the UK that had some amazing worship music, so amazing that they were losing sight of the reason for it. So they went through a season of fasting their wonderful music with just very simple music. Maybe one Sunday with just a drum, another Sunday with just a drum and a guitar. Another Sunday with just a hand drum and two guitars. And out of that season, Matt Redman was part of that congregation, wrote the song, I'm coming back to the heart of worship. And it's all about you, Jesus. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing that I made it, but it's all about you, Jesus. It's a great song. So our focus of worship is God. And we do this together. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his 
presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. So George Jones had it wrong. You know, he said he and Jesus had his own thing going. He really didn't. It's we and Jesus have the Jesus thing going on. We didn't create him. He created us, right? And this is a corporate thing. I know in the modern world we have multiple options. You know, we can worship God by ourselves, and we can go to church by ourselves in the comfort of our living room in our pajamas. But that is not God's plan. It's a substitute, but it's not a replacement for getting together and worshiping the Lord with people that can sing in tune and people that can't, making a joyful noise to the Lord. This is what is pleasing to the Father. This is what it's about. Together, corporate worship, shouting, expression, joyfully, with volume, excitement. Judson Cornwall has went home to be with the Lord some years back. He wrote numerous books on praise and worship. He was a pastor in Pennsylvania. And he had a man in his congregation that just wasn't expressive in his worship. His favorite verse was probably, be still and know that I am God. That's in the Bible. There's a time to do that, right? But there's so many other verses about singing new songs, shouting joyful to the Lord, being thankful to the rock of our salvation. And when Pastor Judson Cornwall spoke to the man, the man would say, well, I'm sorry, I see it in the Word, I understand it, but it's just not my nature. God didn't make me like that. Okay. So Judson let him be still and let him know that God was God. But one day they went to the same football game, sit, sat by each other, and when the man's grandson scored a touchdown, he was up expressing with raised voice, shouting joyfully to the score his son had made, hands raised, and Judson saw the opportunity, intentionally stayed in his seat with his arms crossed. And so he hit him and said, what's the matter, pastor? We scored a touchdown. We might win. Did you see my grandson do what he did? Isn't that wonderful? Yes, it is. Why are you just sitting there? He says, it's not my nature. (laughs) It really is all of our nature. And sometimes we need to be stretched. We don't want to throw you in the deep end of the pool if you don't know how to swim, but step out and get in some ankle deep water, you know, and Begin to express your love to the Lord. Raise your hand up here somewhere maybe. But express, focus on him and express some joy to the Lord because he has been good to us, amen? Thankfully, let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. We enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Being thankful is so important. Remembering what he has done in the past. This is what the freed slaves in Exodus, we're going to refer to numerously, numerous times today because it's in the text, um, they were not thankful. They weren't thankful for yesterday's manna. When he gave them new manna today, they began to complain. They weren't thankful that their enemies were drowned in the Red Sea and they couldn't go back. They wanted to go back. They wanted garlic and wild onions. Being thankful helps focus our hearts, helps us remember things that we can forget. How many of you have ever forgotten something and didn't realize you forgot it? That's the problem with forgetting. You forgot you forgot. 
something to be said for ignorance anyway. The priority for worship is being biblical. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. Now, let me say this, and don't want anybody to feel I'm taking pot shots at your favorite songs. But our songs need to be biblical. And I know there's some songs that are powerful, intimate worship songs, but they can get a little self-centered, can't they? I know you may have a theology that Jesus is your boyfriend, but my theology is he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Boyfriends can break up with you. How many used to have a boyfriend you don't have anymore? Keep your hands down. So I don't want to take your songs away from you, but at least in the song list, have some songs full of biblical revelation. The next part of this psalm reveals who we worship, our transcendent God. The Lord is the great God, the great king above all gods. His hand, in his hand are the deep places of the earth, and the heights of the hills are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands form the dry land. He's the creator. He's great God. He's great. And he's the great king. He's the reigning king above all gods. Is there anything in your life that if you lost it, you would allow that loss to destroy your faith? If there is, then that thing, that person, that relationship is a God to you. And in worship, we remember he is God. My things are not. My friends are not. My family's not. My relationship's not. My church is not. He is the great king reigning over all gods. How do you think the church survives that's under persecution? Brothers and sisters in Syria and Sudan and other places. They're worshiping the Lord. Their faith is sustained by remembering God. He's the creator. The immensity of the universe reveals the greatness of God, the immensity of God. Then the next verse talks about the imminence of God. The one we worship, who he is to us, talks about the one we worship is what the one we worship is to us. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. Let us worship. The word worship means to prostrate yourself. Bow down means to lower yourself. Kneel down. There, there, there's a descending thing in this psalm, humbling yourself before the Lord because He is our God. We are the people of His pasture and the sheep of his hand. He's our God. He's our maker. And we are his people. It's a song we used to sing back in the early days of our congregation that the verses reveal, review great things God had done in the past with his people. And the chorus was about him being my God too. And you're my God too. As amazing as you were in the past, You're amazing now, and you're my God also. We are part of that great cloud 
of witnesses. And he's saying to faith here, we're his people. We are his sheep. Sometimes we worry like all the responsibility for our lives is on our shoulders. We can become too self, self-reliant, too independent. And I'll be a little transparent here. This is, this is my weakness. Um, I need to be more reliant on my brothers and sisters than I am. And it goes back to my childhood. You know, in the fourth grade, my mama tried to homeschool four kids. Had to. We were in the mission field. And uh, she was able to do it pretty well with two kids. So after a couple years, we switched to a private school. So not that I was flunking or anything, but in the fourth grade, I started learning myself. It was just like one long period of homework, teaching myself. as a Calvert course, a correspondent course based in Baltimore, Maryland, and we're living in Fossima, Liberia, deep in, in the rainforest there. So coming out of that, going to a private school where I was a missionary kid surrounded by kids who were embassy kids and NGO kids and government kids, diplomat kids, I didn't fit in with them. So I just continued to be relying on myself and not to depend on peers for anything. And then coming back to the States in the eighth grade, I finished out school just the same way because I just did not fit. If I went to a high school reunion, no one would know that I had even been a classmate. That's just kind of the way I was, not trying to get sorry, any sorrow, uh, sympathy from anyone. But from that, it developed this backbone of being too independent, too self-reliant. If I can't figure it out, I can't do it, I won't do it. And so it's hindered my leadership, it's hindered my... uh, stuff. So um, if you've got a word for me along those areas, by all means, uh, share it in love. Amen. The next part of this psalm continues with worship's importance during trials. Anybody ever have any trials? Some of you are in some extreme trials right now. He said, today, if you will hear his voice, and here's what his voice says, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion." as in the day of trial in the wilderness, when your fathers tested me, they tried me, though they saw my work. What happened was, through a series of miracles, they were delivered from slavery, their enemies were punished, and they were brought through the splitting of the Red Sea to walk across on dry ground, and then their enemies chased them to recapture them, and the sea fell in on their enemies. Then they faced water that was bitter, and God performed a miracle there. It led Moses to chop down a tree to heal the waters. And then they faced hunger, and God provided manna falling from the sky and provided quail uh, for food. And then they faced thirst, and God provided water from a rock. And every time they faced something, they would complain about it. And each time, it seemed to me, as I read the text, they would complain worse than they had before the original trial. It's like they wanted a problem-free life. If I can't have a problem-free life, I just want to be a slave. How quickly we forget what it was like to be a slave of sin. When you're a slave of sin, you would be out till four in the morning, no problem, go to work, dog tired. But now that you're saved, you have to be in bed by eight o'clock or you're grouchy the next day. Like, come on. 
do not harden your hearts. Their hearts became hard. It was hard what they were doing, having to trust God, not knowing one day to the next what's going to happen. But they, they were at, how long did it take them to get to the promised land when they sent in the spies, two and a half years? No, a couple, two, two or three years they were there, ready to conquer the land. So they sent in spies, spies came back, 10 of them came back with a bad report, two came back with a good report. So what they do, they added up all the problems they would face in the holy land, in the promised land, as though they were going to have to conquer it all at once. You'll see the next generation did it one city at a time. Remember the story of Jericho? One city at a time would do it with, with God's provision and God's leadership, miracles happen, all that. But they looked at the problems, magnified them. They make us look like grasshoppers. They're all giants. Forgetting what God had done. God was fed up. And let them die in the wilderness like they said they were going to. It took 40 years to do it. And their children went in and conquered the land. So what's involved in worship is hearing. Today, if you would hear his voice, as we worship the Lord, we soften our hearts. And we see things from a different perspective, and we're reminded of things we need to remember. So many times in worship, while raising our kids, the Lord would impress me that I needed to go and repent to them for something I had done uh, that may have hurt them. So in worship, I would minister to my kids' hearts because God was speaking to my heart. And the thing, the trials I was facing, he would bring remembrance fresh emphasis on things I already knew and even some things I didn't know so that my heart would be soft before the Lord, trusting him and seeing things from a new perspective and remembering things that I was tempted to forget. This principle is really fresh right now in our family. Being a pastor doesn't mean you don't ever have problems. The rain falls on the just and the unjust. Can I get a big amen? A little over a month ago, my little brother Regan, I have two brothers, Regan and Marvin, Regan's son Tyler, uh, almost completing seven years in the military, killed himself. He had PTSD and uh, loved to watch videos of his battles with his buddies and would throw them into a traumatic state, and, and he made a foolish decision one day and ended his life, jumped off an overpass in front of a car. So dealing with that heartbreak, if a funeral was planned on March 1st. Uh, he was highly honored. The military really stepped up in Humble, Texas, uh, was where the funeral was. And so we went to that. My father made the journey from uh, the East Coast, Atlanta and uh, Florida. They live in the two states. His new wife has a house in Florida. He has a house in Atlanta, and they make it work. They visit each other's houses but stay together the whole time. So they came to Houston. And so while he was in Texas, he decided to come up, make, you know, make the most of it. He's here, come up from Houston and spend a few days with us in Granbury. The second day with us on Wednesday morning, he um, fell and broke the top of his femur off. So the bone, the, the ball on the top of his femur had to be replaced. So he had in Granbury Hospital what's called a partial hip replacement. So after five days in the hospital, he got moved into rehab. Aren't you glad there's not nursing homes now? They're rehab. And uh, so he's still there learning to walk with a walker. And I'm telling him, Dad, walkers are good. Walkers are real good. 
and uh, he's making good progress. And it looks like April 1st, he gets out. No fooling. But that's not the end of the story. He's in our home for at least a couple weeks so they can keep an eye on him. And when it's deemed by his surgeon, when he has the uh, appointment a month from Wednesday, uh, so he actually may be with us three weeks, babe. Uh, Anyway, okay, uh, is deemed appropriate that they can go home. The company that will be, the outpatient company that will be caring for them here, therapy and all, will they have a branch there as well. So that'll be good. So we're progressing with that. We're handling that. And Thursday, we find out my middle brother, Marvin, fell off a 12-foot roof and shattered, uh, broke, shattered sounds terrible, broke his scapula, his shoulder blade on his left shoulder, in multiple places, and we'll have to have some surgery on that. We'll not be able to work for 6 to 12 months. So needless to say, we're a little bit rattled. So we got together as a family, those of us that could, at our daughter's home in Colleyville, and our son and his family came from Rockwall, and we went there and took Mama Shirley with us, and we worshiped the Lord together, starting with, It is well with my soul and then how great thou art. And the Lord's presence was just so real to us as we're reminded that the story's not over, that, that it's, just, it's just awesome. Our hearts aren't going to become hardened. In fact, hardened family members are coming to the Lord through all this. So we've got a lot to be thankful for. Another priority for wonderful worship revealed in this psalm, finally, is it concludes by helping us understand the priority of keeping our hearts from going astray. In worship, we focus our hearts upon the Lord, and it helps us focus. And that's why it needs to be an overflow from from when we congregate together to our lives in private. It is important to also worship in private. For 40 years, I was grieved with that generation and said, it is a people who go astray in their hearts and they do not know my ways. How faithful has the Lord been to you in your life? If you're a new believer, you're just now learning these. But some saints, God's been faithful to them for years, and then one too many things happens, and they harden their heart and quit fellowshipping with other believers, quit worshiping the Lord because they're mad at God. Don't, Don't do that. Don't go astray in your heart. Know the Lord's ways. The story's not over. We know his word is true, and in his word, his ways are revealed. There's a timing way he's setting things up. You're getting set up for something greater. All things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. We're being made more like Jesus through it all. So because they didn't learn his ways, he said, I swore my wrath. They shall not enter my rest. Maybe they kept the Sabbath, but they didn't get much out of it. They didn't enter into the fullness of God's promise for them. Makes me want to go back to the top of the psalm. Oh, come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let's not forget. (laughs) So in this, we want to guard our hearts so that they don't go astray. Sometimes in guarding our heart, we think of keeping bad things out. 
You know, well, here comes the dart. I'm going to put up my shield of faith to keep my heart from being attacked. That's good. But you've got to also guard your heart to keep it from leading you astray. Oh, just follow your heart. Don't follow your heart. Your heart will lead you astray. Guard your heart. Protect your heart and follow the Lord. What is his heart in the situation? Your heart will lead you to heartbreak. Your heart does not consider the future. Your heart will keep you living in the present. And then here comes regret. I'm not sure about that, Pastor. Well, one day you will be, and you'll start guarding your heart. Learn God's ways. He has a way of doing things. And trust in him. These are the priorities for wonderful worship. Worshiping our wonderful God. As the praise team comes forward, I'm reminded of a little song we sang years ago. His name is wonderful. His name is wonderful. His name is wonderful. Jesus, my Lord. He is the mighty King, Master of everything. His name is wonderful. Jesus, my Lord. He's the great Shepherd. The rock of all ages, almighty God is he. Bow down before him, love and adore him. His name is wonderful. Jesus, my Lord. Lord, help us to be people of worship whose hearts are softened, whose eyes are seen, whose minds are reminded, whose song is loud with substance, and lives are able to rest in you even in the midst of storms. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters, especially those of us who are currently suffering from the youngest child to the oldest elder to the McCombers who are at home today. I pray, Lord, that you would comfort your people, that you would strengthen them, and that you would enable them to worship you in the midst of their stuff, knowing that just as you provided manna in the past, you're going to provide in the future. And we're not going to be slaves to fear. We're not going to be slaves to defeat. And we're not going to be slaves to regret. But we're going to be children of the Most High God, the sheep of His hand, the people of His pasture in every way. In Jesus' name, amen.